The message today is called The Gospel According to Noah. How many of you are interested in seeing or have seen the movie that just came out yesterday, Noah? Anybody? How many of you have seen it? Have you seen it? All right, I saw it last night with my wife, um, and we're going to talk about it a little bit today and uh, get into this awesome story from the Bible, Genesis chapter 6. Now, about joy is a choice, which starts next week. I, I wanted to, to notice that there's a big Polaroid camera, if you didn't notice that already, out in the lobby. And what you saw on that video is what we want you to do on your way out here tonight. We want you to look. There is a camera. It's recording everything that you do. We've got cameras you don't even know about. Um, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding about that. But there is a camera in the Polaroid out there, that big box out there. And we want you to go there after the service um, and snap your joy. Just wave. Just do something happy. Is anybody here happy? Yeah. Happy in Jesus. Yeah, awesome. On the way out, go out there and give us your best, biggest, brightest smile. And you might show up in the video next week. So I hope that didn't turn anybody off just then, but we want you to be a part of that. We want to see your joy, all right? So Genesis chapter 6, let's read together from the first verse uh, through the ninth verse. We'll start with that, and then we'll get into this text. Verse 1 of Genesis 6. When man began to multiply on the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. These are the mighty men of old, the men of renown. Verse 5, here's what it says. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you will open our eyes to see Jesus. I pray that our eyes will be lifted up to the Lord. I pray that my words will direct us all to know, experience, and love Jesus as never before. Help us to see Jesus on every page. Help us to worship and live for Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit that you give. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing. And may we all have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would say to the, to the, to the body of Christ. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 So my wife and I took in the movie last night. I want to just let you know I thought it was a good movie. Um, 
I think that anybody who's getting, getting all upset and, ex- and, and, and anxious about Noah, the movie, not being true to the biblical record, I think you have to consider the source and relax. It's Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. These are the people who brought you bad grandpa. So, all right, Hollywood is not a seminary and movies are not sermons, Right? They are entertainment. And if you're concerned that people are going to walk out of the movie and worship the Antichrist, you need to pray for your own peace. It's a movie, okay? But I do want to talk about it because, because it's, it's relevant. It's happening. It's now. And I was going to preach joy this week, and then I saw the movie, and I said, well, i got to preach about Noah. This is a perfect opportunity to preach about this awesome story. And there are three things that I want to share with you about Noah, and they're in your notes. Noah's account, number one, Noah's account, because we're going to look at who was Noah. Number two, we're going to look at Noah's ark, because if you didn't know, if you didn't know Noah built something called an ark, kind of a big deal. And then Noah's attitude adjustment. Noah's attitude adjustment. Number one, Noah's account. If you saw the movie, and I guess most of you haven't, uh, the person depicted as Noah is probably going to shock you. It's not going to be the sanitized version of Noah that you grew up with. Anybody ever go to Sunday school? Anybody remember on Sunday school the flannel graph? Remember the flannel graph? It was a big particle board, and they, they stapled to the back, and they wrapped it in flannel. That's where the flannel comes from. And then they would put these pictures of Noah and Jesus on the flannel graph, and they would pull off and put on and pull off and pull on. And they first start, the story starts, Noah, right? And then there's, like, wicked people. They didn't put that on the flannel graph. But Noah built an ark, and there's a big boat, and there's animals. This is the tale that is, is, is tailor-made for the flannel graph. And most of us listen to the story of Noah growing up, and here's what we heard, and here's what we believed. The whole world was corrupt, and we would be right about that. Everybody was a sinful person, and we'd be right about that. And God couldn't find anybody, and we'd be right about that. And then we would say this, but Noah was the only one that was righteous and holy. And so God looked to Noah, and he built a boat. Thank God for Noah. And we'd all say, yeah. And the, parent, and the students would be, and, and the teachers would say, so what should we do? And the kids would say, be like Noah. And then we'd walk out and we would never, ever think of being like Noah because God doesn't ask us to build a big boat. Some of us own a boat. You don't even know what to do with it. That's for you to take pastor and wife out on the water during the summer. But anyway, the the person that they depict is shocking. But I want to suggest something to you. That the person that they depicted on the screen in Hollywood is much closer to the historical biblical Noah than the one we grew up watching on the flannel graph. He was not a righteous man. He was not a man who passed the test and God said, good enough, I'll take it, I'll use you. 
You see, what happens is we look at, at, at these Old Testament saints and, and, and evangelical Christians, hear me loud and clear, please, especially those of you who have been an evangelical Christian for far too long. <laughs> like me. We tend to take the Old Testament saints and sanitize them through our evangelical Christian lens. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, yeah, you know, Noah, I should be like Noah, yeah. Hey, after the whole ark thing happened, dude planted a vineyard, drank the wine, got drunk, got naked, and passed out in his tent. Where was that on the flannel graph? <laughs> right? Like, David, yes, I should be like David, absolutely, man after God's own heart. Okay, slept around, tried to hide it, couldn't hide it, killed the husband, took the wife, and it was like, I, what? what? I did what? <laughs> it's like, read the Bible without the lens, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Read the Bible without your preconceived notions of who these people are because they weren't evangelical Christians. They were people that God sovereignly chose out of his goodness and sovereignly used out of his blessingness, out of his graciousness, out of who he was. And it had very little to do with them. The problem when we took a, take a look at Noah is that we usually start in the wrong verse. We usually start in, in verse 9. And, and it does say this. It's confusing. I understand. You're like, Pastor, how can you say he's not righteous? Look at verse 9 in Genesis 6. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. It's right there. Okay, but listen, that's not the start of the story. That's not the start of the story. By the way, that's not how any of us started. Like, I think, I, 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 I don't think that I'm a righteous man. I know I'm a righteous man. But I'm a righteous man not based on what I've done. I'm a righteous man based on the finished work of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago on the cross for me. That's what I stand on. So let's back the truck up, beep, 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 and let's look at verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that, check out these superlatives, every inclination or every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, and as if it's like Moses just wants to make sure, continually. It's like you, you've, you've cleared it up for the first five adjectives, Lord, you know, Moses. This is continually wasn't necessary, but it's like he's just driving home the point. And the Lord regretted, this is sorrow on God's part. He regrets that he makes man. And then he says, look at verse 7, I will blot out man whom I've created from the land, man, animals, creeping things. I'm sorry that I've made them. I will blot out. And God doesn't say, I will blot out everybody, but no. There's no exceptions. There's, there's no one who's, who, who says, where it says 99.999% of the population was bad, but no. Everybody failed. And usually we think, surely Noah is the exception. And the classic sermon, again, everybody but Noah was, was sinful. He was able to pass the test and be used of God, but that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the scripture says. One place where the movie gets it absolutely right, and I actually said amen in the theater, which was weird. 
was when Noah is talking to his wife, and she's trying to decide how can God kill us all? That's just so weird. That's so bad. It's not right. And she says, it's not good. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I saw this. I don't remember everything. But he said this, something to this extent. He says, who knows what is good? Not me. Not you. Only him. And that's the truth, man. That's the scriptural record. That's why I said, amen, that's it. That's the only part I thought, yes, there it is. Nobody's good. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. That's your heart. That's my heart. Don't trust your heart. Your heart is a liar. It's I don't like it when people lie to me. Listen, your heart lies to you more than anybody else you know. If you don't ask me, just watch the first few episodes of American Idol. <laughs> Seriously, they don't sing well. And their heart told them that they could, and it was lying to them. Amen, somebody? You know what I'm talking about? Your heart tells you you're good. This is what the heart does. Your heart has a funny way of always comparing your record to people worse than you. Well, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm not as bad as that guy. Right? That's what we do. What's that? That's our heart, being deceitful, being a liar. Jesus was asked by a, a teacher of the law, He's, and the teacher of the law came to him and said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus' first response to him is awesome. He says, why do you call me good? There is no one who is good but God. And Jesus was God, and that's what he was trying to say. Understand that Jesus doesn't always come out and just walk you step by step through the truth. You've got to dig. You've got to search. You've got to see it. And this is the reality of our, 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 our world. Noah was not worthy to save humanity. We, we want to believe that. Do you know why? Because we're Americans. We're Americans who are raised from birth to believe that if you do A, B, and C, somebody's going to give you D, E, and F. I do it with my kids. I dangle things over their heads all the time. Fro-yo. Anybody know what fro-yo is? Last time I brought up fro-yo, none of you knew what it was. It's the frozen yogurt place. Every town has one by the different name. We have fro-yo where we are. And it's just like, do the dishes. No. I'll take you to Froyo. Okay. <laughs> right? This is how we're raised. You go to school. You don't want to study. And then somebody comes, a guidance counselor comes to your school and says, if you don't study, you're going to end up having no money. You're going to end up having to live off your parents for the rest of your life. And for some reason, that message comes out as the right idea today. I don't know, to teenagers. <laughs> but... But we're told, we're, we're told these motivational speakers, if you don't get your act together, you're going to end up living in a van down by the river. You got to do A, B, and C, and then somebody will check that off, and then you're going to get D, E, and F. And the Bible says, sorry, you don't even have a pencil to start writing A or B. So you can forget about C. 
The Bible doesn't say you were almost there. The Bible doesn't say you're 95% good. You just need Jesus to top you off and get you to heaven. The Bible says that you are depraved and sick and evil and, 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 and totally wretched in your heart. Paul, the apostle who wrote a third of the New Testament, would say this about his own self. The man that we read today from the inspired text said, Oh, wretched man that I am, not was, am who will save me from this body of death. And then the very next word is, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. He was fundamentally saved only by God's grace. And so here's what it is. You don't start with with Noah was righteous and blameless. You start with verse 8. Everybody was evil. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And that word favor, a couple of weeks ago I shared this with you. I don't know if you remember. But in the Old Testament, favor, you can translate as grace. How are you saved in the New Testament? Grace. By grace through faith, you're saved. How are you saved? In, how was anybody used? How was anybody saved in the Old Testament? Favor, which is also known as Grace. You see, this is what we got to realize about the Bible. And if you have your notes, I want you to fill this in. The Bible isn't a book about good people. The Bible is about the good God. The Bible is not about, okay, these people were really, really good and they made it. The Bible is about the goodness of God to people. That in spite of our wickedness, that in spite of who we are, That in spite of the fact that our hearts are absolutely selfish all the time, God chooses to grace us with love, with forgiveness, mercy, tender kindness, and grace. That's what the Bible teaches us. This This is a powerful truth that so many people in Christian land don't get. C.S. Lewis was a... um, Oxford professor, you hear me quoting him all the time, he wrote a book called Surprised by Joy, talking about his conversion from atheist to diehard Christian. And, and, he, and he came to Christ, and his life went from totally not wanting anything to do with God to defending the faith for the rest of his life. And he was a professor at Oxford University. Here's, here's what he says, and you gotta, you got to listen to what he says. This is great. He says, you must picture me alone in my room night after night. This is his conversion experience. Night after night, feeling the steady, unrelenting approach of him whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. That which I greatly feared had come upon me. In the fall term of 1929, I gave in and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed. Perhaps that night, the most reluctant convert in all of England Modern people cheerfully talk about their search for God. To me, as I was then, they might as well have talked about the mouse's search for the cat. That is conversion. I didn't want anything to do with this. And the hound of heaven caught up with me. I wasn't searching for God. You weren't searching for God. Don't tell me you were searching for God. You were searching for relief. You were were amped up because sin had had its way with you and you were like, this is terrible. You were like an alcoholic on a hangover. Give me a cup of coffee. 
And God's like, I'm not just going to soothe your wounds. I'm not just sending Jesus to the cross so that you can feel better. I'm not sending, and listen to me, listen to me. God did not come and send Jesus to the cross so that God could be your higher power. He came to redeem you from the curse and the bondage of sin that held you captive. That's the gospel that I preach and the Bible reveals, even through Noah. And so God finds this man. It's, it's, it's not that God was searching through the world saying, oh man, this is bad. Oh, this is really, really bad. Oh, Noah. Oh. Thank me, <laughs> Noah. <sighs> Build a boat, right? He found grace. And then because of the grace, he changed. And he listened. And he did what God told him. Has that happened to you? What would you do if you found a $20 bill on the ground? What would you do if you found a $20 bill on the ground? Listen, I, I just thought about this. Some of you would look to give it back because you're a moralist and you believe that being a good person is what you're supposed to do. And so you would search high and low for that $20 bill owner. And good for you. Thank you. Yes, wonderful. Some of you would think, dumb luck, you're, you're what I call a nihilist. Nothing really matters. Everything just happens. So you just pocket the 20 bucks and buy a scratch ticket. (laughs) Most people, I think, that are sitting in Christian churches in America would say this. I must have done something good. Because God, life, the sun, earth, whatever, is smiling on me. And you would stick your chest out a little bit and say... That's right. (laughs) And the Bible would say, leave it. You didn't earn it. It's not yours. (laughs) It's not, you you didn't do anything to get that. So the moment you think you earned it, you might as well become a Buddhist. Because that's how their religion rolls, ladies and gentlemen. It's called karma. Do good things, good things will happen. Be a nice person, nice things will happen to you. And that's wonderful, fine, fantastic. Please be a nice person, especially if I'm behind you in traffic. <laughs> but it's not the gospel truth as revealed in the scriptures. And we got to get this. Because Jesus is only as beautiful as you understand your own wickedness and depravity to be. And you need to understand what this book is really all about. Or you'll never truly give him thanks. Number two, Noah's Ark. Here's what it says. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That's verse 8. Now, skip down verse 13. God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Now, this is, again, later in the story. So Noah's been walking with God for a little while. And here's what it says. But hold, I will destroy them with the earth. 
Uh, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it in and out with pitch. This is how you're to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door. I want you just to look at this. Set the door of the ark in its side. Why does God give us such details? Well, what's the deal here? Okay, just say he made a boat. We get it. It's like you, you, you're going to come away from the movie wondering, what's with those fallen angels? And, and what's with those rock thing guys with the glow inside? And that's what you're going to come away watch. And I want to just tell you, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they were fallen angels, if they were the Nephilim, if they were the sons of God as a, from Genesis 5. It doesn't matter who they were. What matters is what God is doing. So, so many of us get so confused in the Bible. I don't know, I don't understand. Look at it through the lens of what God is doing in saving mankind. Look at it through the lens of Jesus Christ and God's grace, and it'll start to open up in ways you never thought possible. And so here's what happens. First, Noah found favor and provided an ark, right? Noah found favor. Later on, God said, build an ark. Well, New Testament, uh, Luke, here's what it says. An angel shows up, comes to a girl named Mary, and it says this. The angel said to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have what? Found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Noah found favor and built an ark that saved mankind from annihilation. Mary found favor and gave birth to God's ark, Jesus Christ who saves mankind from annihilation. You only read the Bible. It only makes sense when you see the Bible through Jesus. That's the only way. Let's look, let's look at something else. Second thing I want you to see is that the ark had a door in the side. Why? The theme of Genesis, if you look at Genesis as a whole, you will see um, that there's this theme of a door. There's a door in the ark. God makes sure to mention the door. He doesn't mention the sail, the rudders, the navigation equipment. <laughs> He's like, well, make sure you put that door in there, right? And then you read a little long, later in the story of Genesis, Genesis chapter 19, and Lot is being rescued from Sodom. And the angels take Lot, and they bring him behind the door and close the door and strike the men with blindness. And then you read about uh, in Egypt, when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, that they were going to get saved from Egypt through the Passover lamb. And what did they have to do? They had to slaughter the lamb, take the blood, and they had to put the blood on the door. And then if you go a little further in the story, you're going to see a girl named Rahab get saved from prostitution and from Jericho. And they make a covenant. The spies go in and spy out the land. They say, we're going to make a deal with you since you've been kind to us Everybody in your house who is behind the door is going to be saved. But everybody who steps outside the door is on their own. And then you read about Isaiah 26 when Israel is about to be judged. And God pleads through Isaiah, come through my door of safety from the Babylonians. Over and over and over again, God is saying, there's a door, there's a door, there's a door, there's a door. And every single time that door is not pointing to wood, that, po that door is pointing to Jesus. He would show up later and in John chapter 10 say, I am the door. 
You know that door on the side of the boat? That was me. That one that saved Lot? Me. Rahab? Me. It's like you can just take it right through the Bible. Me. 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 I mean, that's what Jesus is. And, and he says this. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The third thing I want you to see. Oh, before we see the third thing. The door is in the side. And when Jesus hangs on the cross, our true and better ark, after he's dead, they pierce his side and blood and water flow. And the blood, obviously, is a symbol of sacrifice for our sins, and the water is a symbol of baptism through which Noah was saved. And we are too through Jesus Christ. Do you understand? The Bible is not about you. The Bible is about Jesus. Third, the Lord shuts him in. Please don't miss this. It says in Genesis 7:15, they went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Now, the, no, that, the movie's got this all jacked up, so just disregard that. But in the Bible, the Lord closed the door. The Lord closed the door. In the New Testament, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Here's what you need to know. In ancient Israel, when shepherds kept their sheep, they would take them to the pastures to eat, and then for the night, they would take them into this big round brick wall, I mean stone wall container. It was just completely enclosed except for one little opening. And the shepherd would guide their sheep into the opening, and they would all go for the night, and they would sleep. And then the shepherd would lay his body down at the door of the opening. And he would keep not just the thieves and the robbers out. In other words, Jesus keeps you from the bad guys. But he'd also keep the sheep in. And nobody came in and nobody got out except by Jesus, except by that shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He doesn't just save you, friend. He keeps you. He doesn't just purchase you. He refuses to return you. I'm so glad that there's no refund policy in heaven. Hallelujah. And my God in heaven loves me enough to say, done, sealed, signed, and delivered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now you say, pastor. Now you say, pastor, I've heard that there's some people, they believe for a while and then they fall away. They didn't believe the gospel. They didn't convert. They may have emotionally been attached to the idea for a while, they may have thought, this is really cool. They may have come to our church and said, I like the music. I like the lights. The pastor is really cool. <laughs> and they converted to something other than Jesus. That's why we're always commended in the New Testament. Examine yourself. Make sure that you're not in this for what it can get you. Make sure that you're not following Jesus just so that you can have a better day. Because sometimes we're going to have a good day and sometimes we're going to have a rotten day and both are from God. And through Christ, we can do all of it. 
Through Christ, we can have ups and downs and everything in between because we're not basing our lives on what we're going through. We're basing our lives on who bought us, who purchased us, and who's pulling us through this thing. And his name is Jesus. The ark, this is the thing I want you to write down in your notes. Noah's ark is not pointing us to Noah, it's pointing us to Christ. So this is why you can go to the movie and enjoy and not get your knickers in a bunch. <laughs> All right? <laughs> Number three, Noah's attitude adjustment. Noah's attitude adjustment. I want to ask you a question. It's a very important question. What did God save Noah from? Don't say water. Don't say drowning. I'm going to say something that's going to shock you, but it's absolutely true. God saved Noah from God. God cannot stand sin. And when you're saved, you're not saved from the devil. You're, you're not saved from hell. Listen to me very carefully. Some of you, your, your theology is so jacked up, you gotta, get, you gotta get this. Satan is not in charge of hell. Jesus is in charge of hell. Amen. He went into hell, he took the keys, and he rose again. Amen. He's got the keys in his hand. He's in charge of who goes and who comes. And one day he's gonna kick Satan into hell and everybody who rebels against God. And so listen to me. Noah was saved from the wrath of a holy, just, and perfect God. Your biggest problem is not the devil. And it's not your friend who turned on you. And it's not your family members who don't understand Jesus. And it's not your job. And it's not even you. If you're outside of Jesus, your biggest problem is Almighty God. But it doesn't have to be. He made a way. God said, I'm going to wipe this place out. And I'm going to bring an end. And he brings, and this is one thing that Noah reminds us. God brings every sin to judgment. Every sin. Uh, some of you watch the news if you're like me and you're like, I just can't take this. I don't like hearing about abandoned children. I don't like hearing about abused kids. I don't like hearing about people getting away with stuff. I hate that. And as good as our justice system is, let's be honest, sometimes they really blow it because they're humans. But God is a perfect judge. And he will judge perfectly one day. Now, here's the good news. That if you're in Christ, see, you have a choice. You have a choice. If you're apart from Christ, you have a choice. You have a choice right now. You can say to God, I think I want that whole judgment thing not to happen <laughs> for me. And if you believe and receive and confess Christ as Savior and Lord, 
God takes the judgment that should be yours and he places it on Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. Or you can do your best, go your own way, and take your chances. But somebody's going to have to pay for the sins that you committed. We know this. We know this instinctively. We know this. Do you know why? Because as soon as somebody hurts you, as soon as somebody stabs you in the back, you immediately feel they owe you. They owe me. I need to be paid back for that wrong. And listen, we owe God, and we can't pay it, and we never will be able to pay it. But Jesus paid it. It's been paid, and you have a chance. And this, this, this is why. When you finally catch that, there's only one response. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. It's worship. It's praise. Here's what happens. Noah gets out of the ark. Here's what it says in, in chapter 8, verse 18. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife's sons with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird and everything that moves in the earth went out by families from the ark. Verse 20, check this out. Then Noah built an altar. First thing, what would you do? You can't call anybody. Everybody's dead. What would you do? Have a picnic? Hug your family? No, builds an altar. And then he took some of the clean animals and, and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. That's worship. And it doesn't make sense unless you understand what God has done for you through his ark, Jesus Christ. Listen, think about this. He, he sacrifices animals. There's not many animals left. But God is teaching us through every narrative. He's teaching us the priorities. The priorities are put God first in your life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Why? Because he is everything. And everything that you are is because of him. That's why that, that commandment will never change. And so, so Noah gets out and he worships God and the ecological duty of man is not to save the animals. The ecological duty of God is to worship the God who gives us everything for our enjoyment. Amen. Understand that? He worshiped. He went from a man who was wicked and condemned to sin to a man who got grace and it changed everything that he did and he became a lifelong worshiper which is my final point, if you have notes, take it, write it down, fill in the blank, whatever. To be saved is to be thankful. Which is why Paul would say in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, give thanks in what? All circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I want you to stand with me. I got three questions for you. They're gonna be up on the screen. Are you trying to save yourself because you can't? No matter how hard you try, no matter how good you think you are, you can't do it. You need a savior. That's why Jesus is confessed as savior and Lord. Not teacher and Lord, not inspirer and Lord, savior. Two. 
Have you come through the door of safety? You gotta make that decision at some point. Because Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at my coming. Men will be doing their own thing, living their own way, and in an instant, the door is shut, and it's over. But right now, the door is open. The door is open. Walk through the door. Thirdly, if so, are you living with thankfulness? That's what worship is about. That's what church is about. That's why we come here and worship. Because we remember every seventh day, God got me here. God brought me here. And God's going to bring me there. I'm going with Jesus every step of the way.